and welcome to the Movies Past and Present Podcast. It's September 15th, 2021, and this is episode 74. I'm your host, Stanford Clark, and I'm podcasting from the crossroads of the West in beautiful Salt Lake City, Utah. Just like my blog, moviespastandpresent.com, I'll be providing recommendations, commentary, and reviews about current and classic cinema. Thanks for tuning in, and let's do this thing. All right, well, I'm back after a bit of a break and excited to talk about uh, current and classic cinema with you. Uh, new in theaters uh, this Friday, September 17th, are two, uh, I think, pretty interesting films. First one up is called Cry Macho. This is a drama from Warner Brothers. It's directed by Clint Eastwood. And let's be clear, Clint Eastwood is 91 years old, and he is still directing and acting in movies. I mean, come on. That's that's kind of amazing. Even though, you know, clearly he he, he looks and in a lot of ways he acts his age. I, I still think it's 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 pretty phenomenal. Uh so again from Warner Brothers Pictures comes uh Clint Eastwood's uplifting and poignant drama, Cry Macho. The film stars Eastwood as Mike Milo, a one time rodeo star and washed up horse breeder who, in nineteen seventy-nine takes a job from an ex-boss to bring the man's young son home from Mexico. Forced to take the back roads on their way to Texas, the unlikely pair faces an unexpectedly challenging journey during which the world-weary horseman finds an unexpected, excuse me, finds unexpected connections and his own sense of redemption. Um, hopefully you've seen the trailers uh, for this, but it looks like it's going to be a pretty compelling uh, drama. And again, have I mentioned that Clint Eastwood is 91 years old? Uh, Cry Macho is going to open simultaneously in theaters uh, this Friday and on HBO Max. Um, And it is rated PG-13 by the Motion Picture Association for language and thematic elements. Also opening up this weekend is um, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, which is a biopic from Searchlight Pictures. This is directed by Michael Showalter. And um, The Eyes of Tammy Faye is an intimate look at the extraordinary rise, fall, and redemption of televangelist Tammy Faye Baker in the 1970s and 80s. And I remember seeing (laughs) Tammy Faye and her husband Jim Baker on TV. Um, So again, Tammy Faye and Jim Baker rose from humble beginnings to create the world's largest religious broadcasting network and theme park. Um, and they were revered for their message of love, acceptance, and prosperity. Uh, Tammy Faye was legendary for her indelible eyelashes, her idiosyncratic singing, and her eagerness to embrace people from all walks of life. However, it wasn't long before uh, financial improprieties, scheming rivals, and scandal toppled their carefully constructed empire. Uh this film looks really interesting. Uh, Jessica uh, Chastain plays Tammy Faye Baker, and you know one one of the very distinctive things, is, as you may recall, about uh, Tammy Faye Baker is that uh, she was really into eye makeup, and she had t- just tons of of eyeshadow and mascara and eyeliner, which of course would always run when she when she would cry, but. Um, Anyway, her eyes were a very memorable part of, of her of her television persona. Uh, but Jessica Chastain looks like she's 
she's really embraced this role and it's going to be interesting to see her play it. Um, her husband, Jim Baker is being played by Andrew Garfield. Um, and also, yeah, some inter other interesting, uh, cast members, Vincent D'Onofrio is on board. He's playing, uh, uh, Jerry Falwell, who was also a very popular Atella evangelist at the time. Uh, Cherry Jones plays Rachel, who I believe is Tammy Faye Baker's mother. Um, so anyway, this looks like a very interesting uh, drama, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. Uh, I think I'm seeing it next week. So uh, The Eyes of Tammy Faye is going to be playing uh, exclusively in movie theaters. It is rated PG-13 by the Motion Picture Association for sexual content and drug abuse. So again, new in theaters. Uh, two films, Cry Macho, which is going to be in theaters and on HBO Max, and The Eyes of Tammy Faye, opening exclusively in theaters. reviews this week, I want to finally uh, put out my review for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. This is the latest film from Marvel Studios, and it is uh, an origin story of another Marvel Comics character, uh, shockingly, named Shang-Chi. <laughs> Shang-Chi was first introduced in Marvel Comics in 1973. This was at the at the height in the particularly in the U.S. of of kind of a a craze of martial uh, arts, um, you know, films and entertainment. Uh, Bruce Lee movies were hugely popular. Uh, also, I remember on TV there was a show called Kung Fu. It started it starred David Carradine, <laughs> um, uh, you know some white guy playing, <laughs> playing this role, but it was, uh, it was a pretty cool, uh, maybe that kind of, uh, established my interest. I, I really love, um, you know, I, I love martial arts movies and, uh, need to, I think, uh, continue to expand my, my, uh, horizons with, with many of these since, 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 uh, I think so many of the good ones have been made uh, internationally. Um, more to follow on that on a future on a future episode of of the podcast. So, uh, for for this film again, as I mentioned, it's it's an origin film. Uh, uh, Shang Chi is played by uh, a Chinese Canadian actor named Simu Liu. I'm hope I'm saying your name right, Simu. Uh, I first was introduced to Simu Liu. Uh, on a sitcom that's that's that it's a Canadian sitcom actually, but it's play the, in the U.S. It's on Netflix. It's called Kim's Convenience, and I don't know if you've had a chance to ever see Kim's Convenience, but it's pretty enter. I think it's a pretty entertaining sitcom, and uh, Simu is 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 very good in that role, and he's really great uh, as Shang Chi. Uh, he's got the charm and the swagger and the athleticism to really pull off a role. Um, a role like this. Um, also starring in the film is uh, Aquafina, who is, uh, she plays uh, a character named Katie. And Katie's not only the comic relief, but she also plays a really critical um, role in, in, in the action and in the plot. So uh, 
she's terrific. Uh, I uh, was absolutely crazy about um, also the rest of the cast. Tony Leung is in it. Um, he plays Shang Chi's father, and and also the possessor of the Ten Rings. Uh, these Ten Rings are these these armbands that uh, give you special power. So uh, again, we'll I'll leave it at that so you uh, can experience the movie for yourself if you haven't already. Uh, Michelle Yeoh is also in the movie, and I love her so much. She uh, she plays uh, Shang Chi's aunt. Um, so anyway, the, uh, the, I think really one of the big stars of this film too is the director. Um, he is, um, Hawaiian actually. His name is Destin Daniel Creighton. Hope I'm saying his name correctly too, but this film is so expertly made, uh, terrific, absolutely terrific action sequences. It's one of those films that the action sequences could, could easily have been done been done in kind of the shaky cam style or something where you don't necessarily know what's going on but again Marvel Marvel Studios films are pretty good I think with 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 both their action sequences and their use of computer generated imagery because there's a lot of CGI in this in this film but it's it's really expertly done and um, there, there are a couple of fight sequences. Actually, I mean, every fight sequence in this film is good, but uh, there's a couple. There's one on a bus that you might have that you might have seen, and I believe that there's some stuff on YouTube, and I I, I uh, will put a, a link to it in the in the podcast notes on my blog. Um, there's also another one which takes the place on the side of a skyscraper, um, and again, they're all doing this with with special effects and whatnot, but it's so exciting, so clever, so interesting. Um, this film also goes into that, um, category and I hope I'm saying this right, but it's Wuxia, I believe it's called, which is, uh, you know, focused on like historical martial arts or, you know, these martial arts films that are set maybe in the past, but there's a real fantasy element in them where, where some of these characters have some ability to, to fly or to do kind of more magical things. Um, magical creatures can also be involved. And that's all used in this film, I think, in a really expert way, which makes it, again, very entertaining, very compelling, and, and uh, great to watch. Uh, this is this film is playing exclusively on the big screen, uh, and uh, I think it's been doing quite quite well. Uh, it sounds like from from a box office report, report. So that's nice. And again, it's one of those types of films that you that you probably would want to see on the big screen if you're into that if you're into that sort of thing. So uh, I highly recommend Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Uh, again, now playing in theaters. So, uh, you know, I've been watching... Uh, 
a lot of musicals this year, mostly because I've been following a viewing guide that's published by uh, Turner Classic Movies, um, which is called Musty Musicals. And this viewing guide uh, lists 50 musicals that they believe are particularly uh, important or uh, relevant in 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 a kind of the history of musicals as well as to get you know just a highly representative of musicals of the time periods that are you know, as well as just really good movies. <laughs> so so uh, I've been documenting this on on my blog at moviespastandpresent.com if you want to take a look at some of that and again I'll have links to that in the in the podcast notes on my blog. But there are three of these musicals that I wanted to call out that I've watched recently that might not necessarily be on your radar cuz of course some of the classics uh are, are are in this viewing guide, like Singing in the Rain, which, of course, is not only one of the best movie musicals ever made, it's just one of the best movies ever made. Uh, the Sound of Music, which I, you know, adore. Uh, m- more recently, they've got uh, Chicago and La La Land. So anyway, uh, it's been fun stuff. So I've been watching these movies in the chronological order that they've been listed, and uh, and I've been trying to watch one a week because again there are 50 that they that they've added so first up is is a, a film from 1957 it's it's the pajama game and this is a movie that is based on a, a Broadway play uh, as many of these of, of these Hollywood musicals are they first got you know they get their start on on uh, on the Broadway stage but uh, and I I had probably seen this movie uh, at one point, <laughs> and this is this is probably too much information, but I'll share it anyway. So the uh, uh, you know uh, how every every high school typically puts on some kind of a musical once a year. Um, my senior year, uh, our high school put on put on the pajama game, but I didn't see it. I had I was in I was in the musical. I had a side part. In the Hernando's hideaway scene, and I and I never got to see the whole show because <laughs> anyway, just how it worked, or I just saw it from the side from the sidelines. I didn't necessarily know what was going on, but um, anyway, TMI. But there you have it. The uh, so it was it was really enjoyable because I was familiar with some of the songs, you know, based on based on my high school experience with this movie. But the opening credits start in this movie, and it is co-directed by Stanley Donnan, who. Who is really, you know, I mean, he, he also, Stanley Dunn was involved with uh, Singing in the Rain. He and Gene Kelly collaborated a lot. He's just directed some of the great musicals and just some of the great movies of the time period. So it kind of had me at, at, at Stanley Dunn. And, and, and uh, he doesn't disappoint. He co directs it with George Abbott, uh, who is. Who was a legendary Broadway writer, producer, and director, and so uh, anyway, interesting collaboration, and and uh, what really made for I think for a, a really interesting and compelling film. So Doris Day uh, stars in this film. It takes place in the state of Iowa at a pajama factory, um, and uh, 
she is uh she's 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 pretty responsible she's she's uh she's over i'm not mistaken the employee uh grievance committee if i'm kidding if i remember the specifics of the name of that committee but anyway um she's a well-respected person at the uh at the pajama factory and the pajama factory the 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 uh, employees are restless in that they want uh they want a pay raise and so uh the owner doesn't really want to give them a pay raise he hires a uh, new superintendent to to really his job is really to oppose the workers demand for this pay raise um the he's played by um Broadway star John Raitt. Now John Raitt didn't really uh star in a lot of movies, but he he was he was a uh, he was um great he's a great uh Broadway star and and really great in this movie. Just as a side note too, he is the father of uh musician Bonnie Raitt. So uh, anyway, there you have that, uh, you know, trivia. Um, but but uh, John Raid I think is is great in this role, uh, and it's got a terrific supporting cast, really fun uh, musical numbers, and uh, you know, I mean, it's just it's just silly, of course, how instantly you know people fall in love and whatnot. But it's 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 very romantic. And, and and delightful, great songs, great musical numbers, great dance sequences. And again, I attribute that, attribute that to uh, Stanley Donnan, uh, of, of course, because he's uh, he's just so um, he's just so good. So anyway, if you if you get a chance, get find a copy of of uh, the Pajama Game. I believe that I. Rented it on Apple iTunes, uh, and it was definitely worth it. I really, um, I really got a kick out of this film. Next up for now for something completely different is a French film that that got added to this list, but it's a it's a real classic. It's the Umbrellas of Cherbourg, and uh, this is a film that was directed by the great. French new wave director Jacques Demy, and uh, I think there's some debate whether this is actually a French new wave film. Although I think it has many elements that probably would fit into that category. Still, um, this film is, a, of course, it's a musical because we're talking about musicals here. But not only is it a musical, there is not a spoken word in it. So, so uh, the whole thing, the whole thing is sung um it was it was actually the soundtrack was recorded pre-recorded by professional singers and then the actors lip sync it and and uh but wow it's great so it stars Catherine Deneuve uh and Nino Castelnuovo so uh, as as uh, young lovers and and uh they uh, you know, they fall in love, but they're, they're very young. I think she's 17. He, he's maybe, he's maybe 20. He ends up having to go off to military service and, um, 
it's you know it's sad let's just put it that way it's 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 young love gone wrong but uh i this film is so compelling partly because of its of its nature that it's all musical but Jacques Demy and his creative team um they filmed it all uh on location in the city of Cherbourg France and the the uh exteriors and interiors are something else they they used a color palette um with you know with wallpaper and paint and all not to mention the costumes that they put on the cast that uh are really are really something else the music was composed by jazz legend Michel Legrand and and it's yeah it's just it's jazz and so it's it's very listenable and 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 there'll be some you know songs that that are you know you'll or, or themes you'll you'll recognize that are recurring but it almost feels in a way more operatic than than um you know kind of pop even though the vocal styles of course are very kind of pop and and jazz like but but uh again part of that is just that they're just they're just singing kind of this this um you know basic dialogue or almost kind of mundane dialogue as they're talking about their days or their feelings or whatnot. Uh, but anyway, uh, it was a, just a delight to watch this movie. And I think it's, it's, uh, it's quite a brilliant piece. And, and, and I, I just highly recommend it if you're, if you're willing to be a little adventurous in your, in your, uh, film watching, uh, last up is, is is the film I just I ended up I watched this week from the viewing guide and it's it's a it's a hard day's night from uh, starring the Beatles and it basically it's like a ninety minute um, music video it just it just it just reminded me so much of of what I loved about the original uh, MTV you know not necessarily the MTV we have today which is just mostly just a bunch of stupid reality shows um, with a few music videos thrown in there, you know, in the middle of the night. But um, back in the day, uh, you know, there was a lot of great stuff being put out on on MTV. And I think that honestly, that a lot of these uh, artists were influenced by this film. So this film uh, is directed by Richard Lester and filmed in black and white. And it's basically, uh, you know, the Beatles perform uh, the songs on the album "A Hard Day's Night," and either there's either they show them actually in a performance. Uh, there they are. They are being on a TV show, uh, is what it is. Or they're going to be on a TV show in there in the UK. And this is at the at the height of Beatlemania, so it's basically them being chased by their 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 screaming enthusiastic fans, and then just kind of the hijinks that are going on. They've they've created a kind of a a, a crazy little plot where um, Paul McCartney's grandfather father is really not his grandfather; he's just an actor, you know, playing his grandfather. Uh, Kind of sets sets a lot of this 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 uh, craziness in motion. So in some ways, it feels like it's a screwball comedy combined with with a 
a really great music video. Um, I think what really impresses me about this film is Richard Lester's um, camera and what an interesting job he does with 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 uh, how how he films it, and uh, which which makes it for a very unique experience. I think you were probably a combination of the cinematography and the editing, and then just to be able to see the Beatles at this time period. This is this film is from 1964, and uh, you know they're they're on their well on their way to stardom if they're not already there. But I just feel like there's something about the immediacy and the youthful exuberance that that is captured on this film that I just uh, I just am, am really impressed by it, and it's and it's really uh, a film that I that I love. So so uh, a hard day's night uh, again, if you particularly if you like the Beatles, uh, I think is is definitely something that you might want to. Uh, to add to your list. Well, that does it for this episode of the Movies Past and Present Podcast. Again, links and more information about the movies discussed in today's podcast can be found in the podcast notes on my blog at moviespastandpresent.com. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Links are also on the blog. Also, follow me on Instagram. The handle is at MoviesPAP, as in past and present. As always, I hope you'll enjoy some good movies this week, whether they be from the past or the present. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, be safe out there and dedicate yourself to the truth.